0: Now now listening listening to. What's up, War Report family? We are back with another edition of the War Report podcast. Today I have a special guest, Auburn superfan, Allie Davison, joins me today to talk a little Auburn sports. Allie, how are you doing?
1: Good. Thanks so much for having me on. I know we played tag team and Twitter DMs, and now I'm finally here, and I'm pumped Um, I've been a
0: fan of you guys for a while, so I'm just excited to be here. Well, listen, Allie, I wanted to, I'm going to jump straight in. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Auburn basketball. Now, uh, Auburn exited the round of 32, uh, in the NCAA tournament. It was disappointing, but I think that as I watched fans reaction to the loss It was apparent to me that it's lost on people how far Auburn basketball has come. Now, you actually worked for our guy, J.G. Tate, back in the day. You covered Auburn basketball from 2012 to 2016. um, And you were covering the team during the transition from the Barbie years to the Pearl tenure. Can you tell us a little bit about what that transition was like and what that team was like uh, at the end of Barbie? And then what did Bruce Pearl take over?
1: Yeah. So it's a great question. Um, and I think to your point, it is lost, but it's also crazy to have Auburn fans complaining about getting out on the round of 32 when 10 years ago, that would have been a milestone that was almost unreachable. Right. So I think that just right there shows you how far they've come in the last you know seven, eight years in their burst. But I covered basketball games for rivals at Barbie my freshman year because Jay and Brian didn't want to go, right? Which is totally understandable. Why would you want to go and watch some of the most painful basketball with some highlights? You know, there's some guys on the team that were worth watching, but it was... A sad state of affairs. I hate to use it so bluntly, but it wasn't good. And I say the quote all the time that Auburn basketball needed Bruce as much as Bruce needed Auburn basketball at the time of his hire in 2013. And what Bruce did, which I don't think Auburn had ever had a coach that did this, was he knew the only way to build this program was to get butts in the seats, to get students in the seats. Because no, bringing a recruit to an empty Auburn arena or Neville Arena now is just not going to work. No one wants to play in that. And that was his first goal. And so I think his first week, um, I saw the photo. He did a dunk tank with a fraternity on the concourse. Now this is his first week, right? He's back on the main stage. There's a lot of cameras in his face. This is—is is this going to work for Auburn? They're taking a big risk on a guy with you know a past. And he was out there. Having people be like, please come to the basketball game, Chick fil A on us, getting dunked by fraternity guys on the concourse. And that was just unheard of to have a personality like this, especially coming from Barbie, who didn't interact really with the fans, rightfully so, because it was a lot of booze at the end of Auburn games that 2012 season. Um, but I think that's like was the biggest shift was just a personality that Auburn could market. Uh, someone that they could use on the recruiting trail and he brought in a very loyal staff i mean half those guys are still here to this day which is also unheard of in college coaching underrated right like to have guys outside of like a todd golden but look at what he did right like he's now the head coach at florida and that was training under bruce um you have chad pruitt you have all of these guys that are just so loyal and i think that's really what's also helped him be able to build this program from the ground up and that's what he did was build a program from essentially the bottom of the barrel to the number one team, not only in the SEC but in the entire country at one point, which is crazy.
0: you talked about um the goodwill. he understood the importance, what I'm hearing you say of embracing the community. He gets out and he's on the concourse and he's doing dunk tanks and he's you know uh, mixing it up with students and and essentially just saying, I'm not too good to come out here and ask you to just come support us. Right. Um, You know, I think that that is um, a mistake that our, we'll get to later that our current football coach maybe could have took a taking a page out of that book during, you know, you know, year one of his tenure, but you know, back to Bruce, he really embraced the community uh, and set an example. I think I'm hearing you say for his players about, you know, I'm gonna. I'm here. I'm in it with you guys, and that was the type of culture he built. So you go from Barbie, who you know, as you described, was somewhat impersonal and and maybe a little detached, uh, to Bruce Pearl, who is super involved, super engaged, and once is building something from the ground up. Now, tell me, uh, you mentioned that he has a past. Auburn took a chance, and sometimes landing the right coach is just as much about luck as it is about evaluation. How lucky was Auburn to land yeah. Bruce Pearl when they did?
1: Yeah, I, I think as much luck as it was timing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he had taken a few years out. He had, he talks about this, you know, he kind of reevaluated himself as a coach. What was he going to do if he had another shot? Um, and I think the timing with having so such little pressure at a school like Auburn, right? Like he, It wasn't like he was taking over after John Calipari, right? He wasn't coming in after a legend, like whoever comes after Nick Saban, you know, poor soul. But he was coming in with so little expectation that he was really able to do what he wanted, which I don't think necessarily at Tennessee he could have um, because there was a lot of eyes on him there. And I think the biggest thing, you know, I'm a Bruce fangirl, love him to death. He's been so good to Auburn, so good to the community, so good to me. But he and you know, the biggest knock I think a lot of national media takes is, you know, he comes off chachi. he comes but you know, over the top, emotional, you know, dramatic in interviews. But he's just he came into Auburn so never too proud, right? He knew he had a past, he knew he was taking over in a very poor basketball program, and he knew it wasn't gonna happen overnight. And he knew he had to go on a concourse and recruit. What what grown man wants to sit there and beg people to come watch his basketball program? But he did that. And he did it with a smile. And he did it with such genuine hope that it would one day happen. And I think it's paid off. So I think to your point, it's luck with a little mix of timing, with a little mix of not being too proud. And I think you can see that in his players, right? Even to this day with the Jabari Smith, who had a lot of programs when you are potentially the number one NBA draft pick, you can rock around campus like you are the hottest guy. and no one would fault you for that. But this 18 year old was so humble this entire season, almost too humble, maybe to a fault sometimes on the court, but so humble. And I think that's a, he would even say, a testament to who coached him. And that's Bruce, because I think he teaches his players that as well. Like, if I'm in it, you're in it, and we're 50 50. And I think that's uh, something a lot of fans, I think, will start to realize, especially as they get a, some more of these, you know, top guys that so they're not going to be your normal you know, number one NBA draft picks. They're going to have an Auburn man to him at the bottom, at at the end of the day.
0: Do you think that the work that he did winning the fan base over bought him patience on the front end of his tenure? I mean, because this was a slow build. I think people forget this was a slow build to to what we did. I mean, the first three years did not, they produced improvement every year, but it still wasn't pretty until about 2017-ish, right? Like, how much did that weigh into patience with the administration and the fan base.
1: Yeah, you know, I think when you love a program and you pour into it, the fans are going to respect it as long as you're showing improvement, right? Especially knowing what all, Now, I mean this is the difference between football and basketball is there's a lot less patience in a football program than there is a basketball program at a school like Auburn, and I think we can see that. Um, but Bruce buy-in, you know, by going to alumni events around the country, by you know going to Lake Martin on his house and being on the boat and shouting War Gold to people past him, he became part of the community, and I think that did give him some grace. Um, and I think the little improvements gave people hope that one day, you know this could be something making the NCAA tournament might become a yearly thing, which back in the day was crazy. Now the bar set so high. Um, I think fans may need to like, you know, bring it back a little (laughs) back down to reality, maybe like a little, I don't know if they will be the number one team in the country every year. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think because he loved on Auburn as much as he did, it did give him some grace that to your point earlier, um, some other Auburn coaches maybe could have, could have used in a first year program. That's for sure.
0: Well, that slow build built into a final four run in 2019. Um, a special run, uh, I think that after the way this season turned out, a lot of fans would still point to that back to that season as the best season in Auburn basketball history. Obviously, we made our first Final Four. Uh, They got hot at the right time, but those players were so beloved. Um, You know, how much do you think it? How much did it mean to him? And can uh, give us some perspective around how surreal that season was for Auburn fans. Now, when I was in school, Alley, I predate you a little bit. We made a sweet 16 in 2003 when I was in school and we got put out by, uh, Syracuse. Carmelo Anthony was on that team. They all obviously ended up winning it all that year, but that was an outlier season. And for the most part, that's all Auburn had were these outlier seasons every once in a while, 99 preseason, number one in sporting news. Um, and, you know, we know that didn't end well. It, talk to me a little bit about that. Sl- how that slow build created such a surreal experience uh, for fans in 2019.
1: Yeah, I think it was the culmination of what he had that slow build built into. Um, you know, Bruce is a f- and his staff cause he relies on them a lot on the recruiting trail are phenomenal evaluators, right? He can look at a kid and this is like basketball recruiting is so different than football recruiting. I mean, right. in basketball, they start recruiting you in you know, seventh, eighth grade. I think Bruce has talked to a lot of these kids on the AAU trail, which is insane. Um, now football is getting there, but basketball is such a long, slow play of these things. Um, but he was able to find guys like, you know, a Bryce Brown that, was passed over by nearly anyone, right? But he saw something in him that he thought would be an addition to Auburn basketball. And that's what he was building, was players that fit Auburn basketball and not just getting guys that were the best hoopers, right? Um, and yeah, the season was phenomenal and it was so fun. And the players and the songs and you know the three-pointers were unbelievable and you'll never recreate that. We'll never have another team that I think had that kind of momentum, but I've said this, this regular season was probably the most fun I've had as an Auburn fan. Yeah. Ever. There was just something different as much as I love the 2019 team, obviously making a final forward, you you can't touch that. Mm -hmm. But the fun that I think this team had with the fans and what Bruce was able to have fun with and, you know, the peacock movement and, The, you know, Katie memes and like all of that. It was just so fun. And that's why I'm excited for what Bruce is going to give us for this lifetime contract, right? As much fun as I would love to compete for national championships year in, year out, which I think he's capable of. I think he's built something where players are going to come because Auburn's so fun and he's such a good coach that you're going to have these fun seasons and you're not going to have rebuilding years. I don't think we're ever going to have a rebuilding year under Bruce again.
0: Well, you just mentioned the peacocking, so I want to pivot a little bit to the advent of social media as it relates to program perception. So Auburn fans, we were we were out there on Twitter. And I, I'm new to Twitter. I'm just learning how to Twitter, Allie. <laughs> so uh I watch your Twitter and I watch people more seasoned at Twitter than me, uh, to see how you guys interact with fans. But um, you know, Twitter wasn't w- what it was. You know what I mean? In 20, uh, you know, when he took over, uh, Twitter has become kind of a force in terms of program perception and even maybe recruiting. Uh, You know, what has that been like? Because I see, listen, every time Auburn lost, your mentions were off the chain. Uh (laughs) I I was like, Allie probably has a full time assistant managing for her. Um, but, you know, talk about social media and how that has affected the perception of the program and and what Bruce Pearl was trying to build.
1: Yeah, I I will say those who dish it must take it. And I (laughs) definitely, I full course, (laughs) eight meal, dish it out. So I've got to be able to, you know, uh, take some heat back, but yeah, you know, there was an article that went around. I don't exactly remember who wrote it, but I think it was national media that said, you know, Auburn was losing out on recruits because of social media. Now, this is football, but I do think, to an extent, right? Do I think a five-star is going to decide to come to Auburn on basketball or football because of Twitter love? No. Do I think they're not going to come because of Twitter love? No. But do I think it's much more of a factor than people realize? Yes. Do I think that it plays into NIL? Yes. Mm -hmm. The more rabid a fan base, the more times Shabari Smith is going to tweet out a shirt and people are going to buy it, and the more that's attractive two kids now in this whole NIL era. And I think that's a aspect that people look over. We are in a whole new wild, wild West. And to have that option, I think that's where social media comes into play. And I don't think Bruce is naive to that, and I think that's why you saw the basketball program, the basketball social really embrace that culture because that's what got ESPN game day to Auburn is because of what, the students and the fans and social media created in Neville arena. I'm still getting used to saying that, but Neville arena um, and starts on social. And I think that's Bruce and this basketball program from the SIDs to, you know, the grad assistants, everybody knows how important that is and knows that that is going to play a factor in recruiting. Is it going to be the end decider? No, that's we're not there yet, but I think, because he's so, he understands that and he under, he's always been really good at translating recruiting to like real world. And I think that's why he's yeah. so good at it. He's very relatable to these players and he's very honest. He's very much, um, from what I've been told, he's not a bullshitter, right? He very yeah. much is on the trail and is just very honest with these players. And I think that comes with social media and it comes with NIL. And if he can have leverage of look at how incredible our fans are. Look at this love that you can get on an nil post look at the love you can get on this instagram post that's important um and i think bruce is very knowledgeable of that fact
0: yeah listen i think you said something that's pretty powerful right you're creating an emotional connection to the program to the fan base to the community and you know if it's anything that i know if you you quit subscriptions you quit programs it's harder to quit family so when we talk about the Auburn family, he is making that connection, and um, yeah. I think that that's an incredible selling point. Now we we asked him in a recent interview that we did with Coach Pearl, we asked him about NIL and you know how it's changed the game. And, and at the time, he said, you know, Mike, we have not had a whole lot of time to dig into NIL, but um, you know, it's not pay for play. It is not pay for play, and what we can do is we can point to somebody like Jabari who has. One of the only shoe deals for a college athlete and say, you will have every opportunity to take advantage of that here as you would anywhere else, if not more so. So I liked his attitude around NIL. He seems to get it. And, you know, we mentioned his past, right? Um, The thing that he got in trouble for now because of NIL, it's not even a thing anymore, (laughs) Right, which is all crazy. The barbecue, all the
1: barbecue, barbecues and cookouts um, <laughs> in the
0: world. It's sponsored by a company. It just <laughs> exactly. doesn't matter anymore. So I, I thought much ado was made out of that when he gets called a cheater and things like that on social media. You know, I, I really don't, um, I, I don't think that that's uh, objective. But um, kind of pivoting here uh, back to social media, I want to talk about the fan base and the peacocking. So this became... A huge storyline in Auburn basketball season was fan behavior on Twitter when we were winning. Now, Auburn was on an incredible streak, undefeated in the SEC halfway through the season. You mentioned that if you dish it, you need to be able to take it. Uh, and there were a lot of fans who could not take it. So <coughs> I I was on a press conference, and I asked uh, Coach Pearl about... Um, the significance of being number one in the country. He said something I thought was interesting. He said, you know, Mike, we're gonna lose. We're gonna lose. And it's gonna happen. But when we do, it won't be because this team is resting on their laurels. Now I felt like they gave their all every single game this year, particularly on defense. But some fans lost perspective of how historical this season was, even in light of how it ended. And social media played a huge. Huge role in that. So when we lo- we did lose, fans of other fan bases took the opportunity to jump on us like, ah, you guys yeah. are posting peacocks and, you know, you, you, you lost. We told you Auburn's a fraud. I don't think they were frauds. I don't think the season was a waste. I still think that this was an important building block in what will be the next seven years of this eight-year contract that he signed. Um, t- talk to me, Allie, from your perspective, as somebody who is super engaged and gets a lot of engagement on on Twitter, you know, what message would you have to fans about like social media behavior
1: next yeah. season? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, back in the day when I was covering recruiting for rivals and I was young, I was in college, Twitter was kind of just becoming a thing. I really was like, hey, this is going to be important for recruiting. This is going to be important for sports. This is you know, kind of the next wave of fandom. Uh, And back in the day, Auburn Twitter was small. I think there was, and I wasn't even part, I don't even, I hate, people hate when I say this. I don't really consider myself part of Auburn Twitter, but I guess I am. Um, But back in the day, there was probably like 20 people and I knew who was tweeting. I knew, you know, who were the sour pusses, who were, you know, the orange and blue sunshine puppers. always, There was only a handful of people. And now because of the basketball and the memes and, the excitement. There was a whole influx new of Auburn. I think it, you know, times five hundred. I don't even know half these people on Twitter anymore. Um, and I think you know, it can you can get ahead of yourselves. You know, right when Auburn's winning, and you can puff your chest and say, you know, don't at me unless your team is the number one in the team in the country. And you get five hundred likes. That's 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 a good feeling, right? Um, and then when your team loses to Texas A&M on Friday at the SEC tournament, it's not so fun when, um, all the fans that you were, uh, poking fun at come back at you. But yeah, I don't think it was, I don't think they're frauds. I, that's, I cannot believe I even have to say that out loud and you do too, that people yeah. out there really think that, do I think it was disappointing? Do I think it was a wasted opportunity? Yes, I was in Greenville well, as these teams started falling in the dominance of our bracket, I was like, whoa, this might be too easy. This might be too much of a cakewalk for us to make this Final Four. Um, so, yeah, I do think it was a waste opportunity, but I, w- you don't become a number one team in the country unless you're Gonzaga, if you're a fraud. <laughs> right? Shots fired at <laughs> so, the Zags. I'm here for that. So, you know, you just, you don't become, you don't have the, num- the defensive player of the year and the number one freshman of the year if you're a fraud that just doesn't happen um so yeah i think to fans you know this is still auburn basketball uh we are not we are you know as much as we love to say we're a blue bud i don't think we're a blue blood quite yet i think you have have to have a natty under somewhere in your belt to be able to puff your chest that much but i think people just don't have fun with it and i think that's you know losses were hard I um, certainly did not handle the loss in Greenville all that much. And I was at the bar and I saw Changi and I was not in a great mood um, after the loss. And I stayed off Twitter knowing that I was not going to be thrilled with the DMs I was getting and the messages from opposing fans. But you just have to have fun with it. And, you know, the players have fun with it. You saw this basketball team really embrace the Peacock and mm-hmm. they saw it. And I have no doubt the reason why KD makes those faces is because he knows the camera's going to be on him um and that's like that's fun right that's fun knowing these kids are enjoying it as well um and that's the other thing that people have to realize these are kids shabari smith is 18 18 years old we're not we're not talking about a 25 year old grown man we're talking about an 18 year old kid who is just having fun um he could have went anywhere in the entire country and he chose to come to auburn Mm -hmm. He he came to you know play for bruce pearl and you're seeing you know the transfer portal right now i mean With the mass exodus of kids out of LSU, Bruce Pearl is the first one that is calling them on these five stars. And like I said earlier, I don't think we're going to have another rebuild year under Bruce. I think it's going to be a reload. And you just have to have fun. And for fans at Auburn, any sport Auburn, to think that you're going to be in the national title contender every year and when you're not, it's a failure is an Auburn fan that hasn't had their heart broken by an Auburn team before. And so it's a nice, pretty world that they live in. Um, but yeah, just have fun with social. I mean, it I get bitter. I I get irritated. But um if you can dish it, you gotta take it. And I think Auburn towards the end, um, when we may not were playing as well as we were peak January, early February, um, they could have handled it a little better. And maybe they wouldn't have had a as many Ats at them after the Greenville
0: loss. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of having fun, um, the hope that was generated around this program around midseason had students camping outside of Neville Arena the night before games. I was blown away by this, Allie. When I was in school, you could pick up <laughs> tickets to the basketball game by the trash can on the ground outside the Coliseum. Now you go to Neville yeah. Arena and it's a hot ticket. Uh you know we we give away at the War Report we get we give away tickets to every football game. So we buy two sets of season tickets and we just give tickets away uh you know every week. We yeah. try to buy season tickets to basketball. No deal. Yeah. It's sold out. Completely sold yeah. out. So you know we are uh donors, we got on the list uh to try to get season tickets so that we can give those away to fans as well but it's it's become something different now students were camping outside in the cold and Allie Davison decided (laughs) that she was going to uh feed feed the masses um and uh I thought that that was a really cool positive part of social media um and and for what I understand about you you have a pretty charitable heart uh talk to me uh, a little bit about Allie Davison and your idea to leverage social media to feed students outside in the cold before yeah. basketball game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've you know i been asked this a lot since it happened and I wish I had a better story other than had I been a student um, at this level with peak Bruce Pearl, my happy little behind and my friends would have been in those tents with, An adult beverage and pizza all night, camping out, having the time of my life in college. And I was bored sitting at my job late on a Friday. And I started seeing, you know, pictures of tents. I'm like, there is just no way this is happening, right? Right before the Kentucky game. And it was a hot Kentucky game. I mean, Auburn wins this. We're in it. That number one spot is ours. And so it was wild to see tents and I was just bored and I was like, you know, I would have loved back in the day some money uh, to go over to the village dining and pick up, you know, some soda and snacks and so I said, hey, like I'll that money, you guys, like $15 um, here, if you add me a photo of you camping out and this was at like 3 o'clock, I think, Auburn time mm-hmm. um, and then a fellow Auburn Twitter guy, Pablo Eskbarner was like, hey, I'll jump in too and then all of a sudden it snowballed into Holy smokes, people are wanting to donate, We're asking me where they can donate, how can they help? And in 24 hours, we raised, I think the final total was over $13,500. That's insane. Yeah, off Twitter, which is, I mean, I didn't promote it anywhere else. Um, I was just sitting alone on a Friday night, being like, oh, this sounds fun. Um, I'd love to say that I thought this was going to turn into what it was. And I didn't, I thought we were going to maybe cap out at like $400 and those, you know, few guys, the front row could, you know, have a long night and 20 degree weather. And it ended up being, we had people driving down and for the gymnastics game, bringing $600 with of fan warmers. Cause we had bought out all the hand warmers around Auburn. Pablo brought things from Birmingham at Costco Bread bowl, snacks. We had, I think it was 75 pizzas delivered from Domino's and they had to bring it on a pickup truck because there was so much going on. Um, Coffee being delivered, people wanting to donate. I mean, the highest donation we had was 2000. And at some point, you know, me and Pablo were talking and I was like, I can't spend this kind of money, right? Like, I'm coordinating, trying to spend all of this money and it's just coming in faster than I can spend it. And Bruce Pearl. Since he started, he brought the Outlive Foundation to Auburn. It's been it's very close, near and dear to my heart. Um, it's a lot close to a lot of people. It's Im- crucially important to Bruce Pearl. And I was like, how cool would it be if this extra money, you know, we gave to the guy and the foundation that the reason why these kids are camping out is okay. because Bruce Pearl is at Auburn. Um, so why not give it back to him and show him like, hey, you know. Auburn community is behind you. What, and this is before he signed. This is before the lifetime contract. Like, Why not just show him how much we appreciate him? And we ended up doing... I wrote the check, which is the scariest thing I've ever done. And when I handed it to Chad for it, I was like, if he lose this, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> uh, $7,800 extra was what we were able to give to the wow. Auburn Foundation. Um, and it's one of the craziest, most rewarding experiences I've been a part of. Um. And during this whole time, you know, I'm rambling on about the story, so please cut me off. But, you know, Bruce knew what was going on, and yet he was still prepping for playing Kentucky. And, you know, I had messaged with the staff, and, you know, they said, Bruce knows what's going on, and he can't believe it. No one can believe it. Um, And then what I think the coolest thing was was when I announced, you know, the final totals for everything that we raised and where it was going. We even donated money to the Kentucky Cancer Foundation um, to kind of, you know, bigger than sports um the morning that auburn was announced as the number 1 overall before he even tweeted out about his program mm-hmm. being the number 1 program in the country he retweeted and thanked the auburn community for this money um and that's insane no other co- no other coach i think in the country would put a number 1 ranking below $7800 to a cancer foundation and that's just the kind the kind of guy he is and it's people call it phony people call it an act but You can't fake that, you know, unless he's an Oscar award winning actor, you can't fake that kind of genuine um, love and care for community. So it's pretty cool. That
0: uh, really embodies what I think Auburn means to a lot of us who spent time in the community and went to school there and the connections that we make, you know, uh, the friends that we make, uh, the networking, just the idea that a community can take. At, in a community, we can take care of each other. Um, yeah. And it's cool to have somebody like Bruce Pearl in the position that he's in, embrace that, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for doing that. Um, you know, uh, the Outlive Foundation, what they're doing, trying to make sure that they can get people screened early because early detection is what's going to, can be the difference between someone, you know, who gets cancer, living or dying. Um and they're raising money to help them pay their bills if they're out of work, and just just an important step in fighting uh, a terrible disease. Uh, so, uh, you know, for, for you guys to get involved to have something that started out as fun turn into something that might literally change lives yeah. is what Auburn is all about. So, you know, the the team played a role in that. Without the things that they did on the basketball court. Maybe that moment never happens. And that's why I think it's hard to look back on this season and say, you know, yeah, I was disappointed with how it ended, but ultimately all the good things that came from, you know, 10 guys playing basketball with all their heart and a coach coaching them with all his heart. um, It was so great. It was great to see. So I can't can't thank you enough for joining me today uh, and sharing a little bit uh, of perspective on, where Auburn basketball was to where they are now and for the work that you're doing in the community. Th- thanks for joining me.
1: Oh, you're so sweet. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was, you know, it's a season. Like I said, I'll never forget for personal reasons, for fan reasons. And I hope, you know, after the loss and the tough ending kind of wears down and the wounds heal, I hope a majority of Auburn fans look back on the season and say, wow, we got to experience something truly incredible. Um, in Auburn Arena, half Neville Arena uh, with this coach and this team and, you know, everything that this season embodied.
0: Yeah, listen, uh, hopefully there are more great moments to come if you're listening to The War Report now. Appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, Download, subscribe to The War Report if you want more content like this. Guys, we're signing off. As always, War
1: Eagle. Eagle. You are now now listening to